The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to the Women's Sanctuary, the podcast about tending the soul of women, sisterhood, and the rise of the sacred feminine. I'm your host, Arlia Hoffman. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Arlia. And um, as I just told my guests, we're rocking and rolling here with another episode, another interview. Um, you know, this is the Women's Sanctuary. This is a, what I have envisioned to be a safe, sacred space where women can come and be together, talk about what's up for them, talk about transformation, living their purpose in the world, soul care, and whatever else comes up for us. Welcome. My guest today is Alexandra Hughes. Alexandra Raquel Hughes is a feminine leadership and business mentor and certified coach in Beyond Quantum Healing Hypnosis. Alex works with smart, ambitious women who are on a mission to make the world a better place. Women who know they're here for a reason, with a sole mission, but feel stuck and impotent in reaching their potential and fulfilling this purpose. Specifically, Alex helps women get out of their own way by accessing their divine higher self and inner wisdom so they can be the authentic and unstoppable change maker they were born to be. Her mission is to help clear the conscious and subconscious clutter. Love that. So that their mission can come to fruition. Alex is a Peruvian Canadian who's lived in eight countries, speaks four languages and holds a master's of philosophy in development studies from the UK and a BA in environmental studies from Canada. She is committed to diversity, environmental regeneration, and rising of feminine energy. She also identifies as a priestess and a witch. She's an earth-worshipping, tarot-reading, astrology junkie, currently based in Toronto with three strong personality kiddos and an ever-loving left-brain husband. (laughs) Alex, welcome to the Women's Sanctuary. (laughs) Thank you, Arlia. You make me sound very interesting. (laughs) Well, you are. You are. I'm I'm fascinated. I mean, like I just I told you a few minutes ago, I love to dive into the astrology and well, we can also talk about kids with strong personalities and left brain husbands. <laughs> there was a, by the way, there was a comedian um, in the U.S. years ago, uh, a tall Southern woman. I mean, she she had to be over six feet tall, and she she was um, probably Southern Baptist, but she was one of the funniest comedians I've ever heard, and. And she would always talk about her husband. She called him left brain. That, that was what she referred to him as. <laughs> that was her name for him was left brain. I was like, oh, it's perfect. She was so funny. I'll have to figure out, remember her name. But I love that. Love I love, love that. And, you know, we all need that balance, right? <laughs> for the us creative types, right brain types. That's left right. Brain, yeah. Left brain people, we need them too. Um. All right, so let's get into it. Um, I would like to start with um, so many places. Oh, one thing we didn't mention in the intro is that you're also the host of the Witch Hunt podcast, which we will get to in a moment. Um, I want to talk about self-doubt because it's right there on the front page of your website. 
And I love that because it's so common. It's something that's part of the human condition. Um, tell me about what self-doubt is to you and, and how you work with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good question. Um, and, and, you know, before we jump in, I just want to say thank you, Arlia, for having me here in this sacred space. It's such an honor to be here. I love your podcast, as you know, and it's a delight. And um, yeah, I really feel honored to be here. So, um, okay, let's jump into self-doubt. I think that self-doubt for many of us has come to feel so natural and so much a part of our thinking process. And that's definitely what happened to me. And I think that the first, when it, it started sort of having a louder voice and a bigger role in my, at my table, metaphoric table, when I became a mom. Mm. And, um, and then when I started a business. So I believe that we're in, uh, we live in a system and we've been swimming in the soup of a, of a social system. Let's just call it the patriarchy. Let's that, do that. <laughs> that, um, that places people according to their gender or their sex in boxes and tells men what a good man is and tells women what a good woman is and mothers what a good mother is. And so for me, becoming a good mom was um, very confusing because, of course, this wasn't necessarily true for my, you know, for our parents' generation or for my mom, because when she, I think, you know, there are probably about five books on the shelf about parenting. But when I became a mom, there were about a hundred and now they're probably about 5,000. Like, I mean, it's just, it's, there's so much out there. And when you feel passionate about something, you want to do it right. And so you go to the experts. And I think the patriarchy in defining us in a, uh, putting us in a box and telling us this, this is, this is what a good mom does. Um, the good mom, right. The good mom myth. Yeah. Mm. When, when, you know, we internalize that, that we need to tick certain boxes, we need to behave certain ways and, and that the answers are on the shelf or with the expert and not inside of us, then we begin to doubt. And I think the same is true in business or in any project really that you take on. You know there are the there are these external definitions, and over time, over time, we've lost that capacity to find the answers from within. Which today mm-hmm. I, I would use the word intuition. And so, because I was blessed with uh, <laughs> a left brain, <laughs> all of us have one. <laughs> Um, very early on, I learned that that left brain was going to make people around me proud, mm-hmm. that that left brain was going to get me the marks that would get me, you know, into certain, you know, into college or into university. And so I stepped fully into that left brain and I became a really good thinker and a really good academic. And when you, when you're there, analyzing and thinking, and you're disconnected from the answers within, you Mm -hmm. can spend a hell of a lot of time up there going around and around and around and finding the right answer. And what I've learned to be true is that the right answer doesn't actually exist. There are a plethora of possibilities. Can you say that again? What I've come to learn, you know, and I'm 49 years old, so it's not like you know, I'm a young and it's taken a while. <laughs> it's taken a while. But what I've come, come to learn over the decades is that mm, that's so just a second, honey, I'm just recording a podcast. Okay, sorry. Yeah. So that's what the big sign says on the door. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, that's what I was doing. I had to text my daughter. 
this mic, this this recording is going to go late. I'll tell you when you can come in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Big signs are important. They're boundaries. <laughs> um, you asked me to repeat something and now I forget what it was. Uh, you're you're going to repeat the, the fact that, uh, oh, we can, we can do this, um, that there were no right answers. Oh yeah. So what I've come to learn over the decades is that there are in fact no right answers, that there's a plethora of possibilities. And so we can continue to doubt and overanalyze and overthink things till the cows come home. But what it is, is it's, is um, one could say it's by design. It's a, it's sort of a, a way of thinking that keeps us paralyzed from taking action that in any way feels threatening. And that could be threatening to, um, to our conscious mind or to our unconscious mind, right? Because we all have so much inside of us. And again, you know, we can allude to um, the way we've been raised within this cultural soup that basically has trained us to be second-class citizens, mm-hmm. or we can allude to the epigenetics um, and the, 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 you know, our ancestral trauma, and we can refer to past lives if we want to even go there, you know, and the trauma of, of past lives that maybe we've experienced. So there is, there's so much feeding into the self-doubt and the overthinking and the overanalyzing that it can just keep us in our head, trying to get it right, trying to get it perfect and out of our body and disconnected from our soul's voice that really, I'm not going to say has the answer, because like I said, there isn't the answer, but has an answer, an unanswer that feels good and that is aligned. Oh, that's the key, aligned. Yeah. It was um, actually, um, actually a recent guest, Stacey Ruth, talks about this and talks about um, the imposter syndrome which is really this collection of behaviors. Self-doubt is natural, but, but it's been finely honed, you know, as you say, by all these factors and the trauma and the culture into this imposter syndrome where we may not ever trust our own inner voice, right? It's, it's all the outer voices or, or the voice in the head, but it's everything other than our deep inner truth. And I actually just also just had a conversation about this um, with my soul sister, Jackie, about, um, about this, but also all of those voices, even the spiritual voices outside of us that are glittering and alluring and attractive and, and, and pull us in with something that is um, sparkly and exciting and still may not be real. Yeah. Yeah. So I find that all of those are just, everything's pointing us back to all of those kinds of things are pointing us back into our own truth. Absolutely. And the, the imposter syndrome is so interesting because it really fuels comparing ourselves to other, like the starting point is a point of comparison. And of course, I've, I'm increasingly looking at nature's systems uh, in order to learn how to create a regenerative feeling or a regenerative lifestyle and a regenerative business. Because of course, the only example we have of regeneration is are the natural systems which we are you know we are yes. that but we've disconnected from it and so i'm coming back around <laughs> i'm coming back around to comparison but nature's systems are fueled by diversity mm-hmm. right so why are we comparing ourselves to somebody else when the magic lies in our uniqueness it lies in what makes us different and diverse and when each of us 
is able to tune in and listen to um, that unique soul voice or that unique intuitive wisdom that lives inside of us, it's then that we can share our uniqueness and that that distinct piece of this massive diversity that brings a balance and healing to the collective. There's a really great book by, um, I'm trying to, I'm looking at my bookshelf. The listeners obviously can't see me. I'm looking at my bookshelf. It's um, Adrian Murray Brown and it's called Emergent Strategies. And I think I can't see it because I think I've lent it to a friend, but it taught, she referred, she's so smart, this woman. She is African-American and she writes these most radical books. Um, And in this one, she looks at different sort of pieces of ecosystem, different, yeah, they're systems within the broader system Mm -hmm. and looks at the principles behind them to guide sort of strategic movement forward for society. So strongly recommended, but that's where I got the idea of looking, you know, to natural systems Mm -hmm. to really support a connection because so the other thing that, that I'll just, you know, and I alluded to it is that we are, we are nature. And so when we are connected to our inner wisdom, to that unique voice inside of us, then we're actually like playing our role in this bigger system. Um, fully or wholly and contributing in the best way that we can. Does mm. that make sense? Yes. I love that. I love that. It, it, you know, it helps you answer the own question, your own question of like, who am I? What am I here to do? It's, and it's all. Um, yeah. I'm at a loss for words. <laughs> it's, it's all, it's almost all self-contained. Just like, you know, as you were talking about the the natural systems, you know, there's that story about how the, the, the oak, the acorn becomes an oak. The acorn does not become a redwood or a dogwood. It just is an, an oak and that's, that's its purpose. And that's what it does because that's what it, that's how it's wired, you know, and, and we are the, we are the animals who can somehow take a left turn out of our biology and our our makeup and do something different because somebody else told us it was more valuable than what's right here. Yeah. 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 And what's right here. I love that. You're like bringing your hand up and down. Like I do that all the time at some point in my (laughs) podcast, I'm going to have to have a video because I end up doing this every time during the podcast and nobody knows what the hell I'm doing, but it's, it's, you know, the hand running up and down the center of my, my body, because that's my central yeah, my central navigation system. Absolutely, um, I love that. You know, in the um, sacred pause you talk about on your on your website, which was during the pandemic, I had I resonate with that because I had something similar happen. Of course, we all had time to slow down, and and if you were aware and conscious about it, you know, you could use it for you know this this nourishment and and rest if you, if you were able to do that. But I remember having this very conscious experience during that time where um, the layers of my perception fell away. And I understood that multiple times a day, particularly in with social media, that was particularly it, but it happened in other ways. I was looking, it wasn't just I want to go find out what my astrology forecast says so I know what's going to happen today or how I should be prepared. It was consistently looking outside myself for others' opinions, others' perspectives about what was going on to inform my own thought. Even though I I felt like I'm a sovereign being, I'm standing in my own authority, you know, in my own integrity. I was to the best of my ability, but then this whole layer fell away of like, yeah. And it's like, a, um, it's like a, it's like a sonar. I'm pinging, I'm pinging outside of myself all the time. And so 
it was a new level of awareness to go. And really none of that matters. None of that matters. Like what's here, what's here now. Um, it's so pervasive. We're swimming in it. It's so it's, it's work. It's a task, right. To, to peel off all that is not ours. We, I mean, we, I mean, if you think about it, like from the very, very beginning of this, let's just start with this life, right. You know, we have been conditioned to do what we're told and to, you know, follow authority and follow the rules. And even sometimes I'd say for most of us in this generation, not to feel what we're actually feeling. Don't Mm -hmm. cry, you know, smile. You're happy. You should be happy. You should be grateful. Good vibes only. Yeah. So, so of course it's, it's taking those layers down and, you know, the, the peeling of the onion is such a great metaphor, Mm -hmm. Uh, all that conditioning that we take off the sacred. I think that COVID threw a lot of people for a loop because then information started coming from different places. And so it became extremely confusing. And also I think the actual virus was such a mystery that you know you would get different information from different different sources and 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 I don't I think governments were doing the best they could and you know or maybe not I don't even know but I felt like I felt like we were um just being thrown all this information in a really scary environment and what does a child do in a scary environment they go and they find the authority Mm. to give them the answers. What am I supposed to do now? But the truth was nobody knows or nobody knew. Yeah. No, I don't even think we really know now it keeps mutating, right? This, 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 and of course it does because it's natural (laughs) and you know, it's, it's clever in its own way, Mm -hmm. the virus, I mean, but, um, but I was in a very privileged position to be able to step out of the the craziness. I mean, not all the time. I put myself on a very strict news diet because mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm highly sensitive and empathic. So in a way, the fact that it invited us to close ourselves off from other humans was probably helpful for the sensitive yeah. folks among us. Because when I would gather in our little social bubble, um, the conversations would throw me awry, you know. And so having that or choosing to honor that call to just almost shut, I'm not going to say shut life down, but I, I shut my business down. Um, and I just sort of tended to this highly confused soul. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think many of us were, I think, you know, terrified. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't, I don't, I was never actually scared of COVID, which is really interesting. And I wonder if it has to do with the fact that I, I took that time to just um, stay away from the news and really go inwards and to, Mm -hmm. to a certain degree, you know, I, I know that some people would see that as selfish, but I couldn't have offered what I needed to offer to my family if I hadn't done that. And, and then the result of what came to me during that time of being in my garden and taking my baths. And um, we were living in Brazil at the time. So I had help in the house and I could afford horseback riding. So going out and riding my horse, like all these different things that were so therapeutic and healing, they opened up uh, a very, very strong connection to that intuition that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. And so really it was at that point when I started to trust that voice. And the voice was telling me or guiding me in a different direction. And the, the, you know, there was an invitation to um, heal traumas from this life. And then I was to discover, to learn about past lives as well. So there were like, there was an unfolding of events, you know, we can call them breadcrumbs along the Mm -hmm. path of awakening 
that led me to offer the world what I offer the world today and to really step into a, a different version. Not, it's not a different version of myself, but a wholer, a more whole version of myself. I think I had shut down when for all that time that that wonderful left brain was taking charge of the situation and you know, getting the good marks and getting into the good universities and all that stuff, that other part of myself had sort of fallen asleep. And now mm -hmm. it was really waking up. Um, so that's what the sacred pause did for me. It was like pressing pause on life. I think it, metaphorically COVID invited many of us to slow down, but not everyone, obviously. In fact, very yeah. few of us were in a privileged position to be able to do what I did. Mm -hmm. And yet, whenever that pause happens, it uh, definitely serves. I mean, getting back to you know us being in in, the, in a natural system, that's what every every organism does. They have a natural cycle. Absolutely. And you and I are are both in a group that that really highlights that um, that natural cycle. And it might have been that group, might have been somewhere else. Uh, I heard about this third hand, but the question was, what do you call something that never stops growing? And the answer was, you call it cancer. Oh my God, I'd never heard of that. Yeah. If something doesn't follow the natural order of growth and death and rebirth, regeneration, which all organisms do. But if there's something that is continually growing without that natural cycle, it was kind of raised in the context of a group and a doctor piped up and said, you call it cancer. And I was like, oh, that's a great way to look at it, to understand that the, um, the constant growth, the constant movement, the constant rise, you know, like, like the stock market, that's not natural. That's a man-made system and it's and and it's not and doesn't well, I would say you you and I might say it doesn't serve us because it's not natural. <laughs> yeah, that 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 moment of um it's not natural, yet it's celebrate. It's isn't it interesting that you use the word cancer uh and everybody, you know, just shudders when one uses that word, but at the same time, there's something inside of us that, and again, conditioning that tells us that to keep on going, to keep on doing to, if you don't, if you stop, you won't get where you need to go, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so there's this perpetual grind that we're encouraged to keep on, just keep on. And, um, I, I love how you, situate the sacred pause into something like, you know, for me, for me, the sacred, when I say sacred pause, I refer to that, that moment in time with you here now. However, there are opportunities and this is such a good thing for listeners to hear because we are natural and that opportunity to take time for oneself. And it can be, it can feel more of a call in winter if if you're in a place where where it gets darker in the winter time or even in the evenings and at night or if you are someone who is has a menstrual cycle it could be during your bleeding phase you know there's so many or during the dark moon like there's so mm -hmm. many beautiful moments when energetically we're invited just to pause and the you know I'll use the business term the return on investment is huge because the darker the shadow, the brighter the light. And so the, the more restful the rest, the more like buoyant the energy at the other end. So thank you for contextualizing what a sacred pause can be and how accessible it is to all us living creatures. Yeah, well, I, I got the sense from how you were presenting it is that it um well, first of all, as you've said, it, it completely shifted your reality and your priorities. Um, but also get the sense that that's, that has informed your work with your clients. 
completely. I, I, I shut my old business down and I started something new because I was, I was a new person at the mm-hmm. end of it. Yeah. Well, I, I do want to talk about how you work with your clients, but let's just back up a little bit and tell me kind of what you're doing and how you got to this point of now we, we, we know what's happened in the last couple of years of the sacred pause and you starting a new business. Tell us, tell me more. <laughs> Who was Alex before that? <laughs> B- before the sacred pause? Yeah. Or whatever feels very, relevant. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was a global traveler. So my husband works for an organization that posts many of their staff overseas. And we were um, original. Well, I've been all over the place. I don't. I, so I studied international. I don't know where to begin, but I studied international <laughs> development. I, 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 all right. Let's go way back. Um, you were born. I think, I was born, <laughs> but I think I, I think I was, I was born into a family that does what I do. So my dad was working for the Canadian embassy in Peru and he met my mom who had been born in Bolivia, but born to a German American who had emigrated to Bolivia. And then they had to flee Bolivia because there was a revolution in the 1950s. And so they went to Peru. She ended up because her dad was American. She spoke English. And of course, she spoke Spanish. And so the English landed her this job at the Canadian embassy, which is where she met my dad. And they um, moved to Canada. And then she conceived. I was conceived in Canada. And then moved back to Peru, where I was born. And then later we moved back to Canada. So these, so these international moves and the the multicultural environments. And just to give you a sense of my family, my husband is from Barcelona. My first child uh, was is adopted from Mozambique, where we lived. And then my second child, born in South Africa, and my um, third child, born in England. So we're and you know me, Peruvian Canadian. So we're just this big mishmash. And that it's so funny because it feels quite natural to me because I come from that, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that that, that's sort of an important part of my identity. I, um, when my left brain was governing my life, (laughs) I studied architecture for a short time. My father had studied architecture and I was doing what I thought would make him happy. Um, even though he had left our family fell in love with another woman and he left our family. And so I was really the product of a single mom, but I was still seeking his approval. And so I, I did, and then I quit architecture. It wasn't my thing. And I went backpacking around Latin America and I started, and I, when I got back to Canada, I decided to study environmental studies with the intention of supporting um, sustainable development in poorer countries. That was sort of the intention. And once I finished that, after a number of internships in different places around the world, I applied and got a scholarship to do a master's in um, the UK, where I studied international development. And so that's where I met my husband. And that's and subsequently, we moved to Mozambique, which is where we started our family. Mia came along. My second child, Uriel, was born. And, um, and then my husband got a job offer in the US. And then a few years later, a third baby came along. And then we got we were posted in the U in Washington, DC. And that's where he got a job where he's working currently. And we went um, from DC to Brazil. So this posting to Brazil was especially important, because I feel like it, you know, it didn't take me back to Peru, but it did take me to my Latin heritage. Mm -hmm. And it also opened up my world. Um, in a way that many mothers, many Western, or at least in the Northern Hemisphere, mothers' worlds aren't opened up because we're in a state of overwhelm all the fucking time. Mm. And I was that woman. I was that woman. I remember moving from the UK to the US. And I remember just looking around at all the soccer moms and at the schedules. And 
thinking, how am I going to, how am I going to do this? Like, how, how am I going to be as successful at what they do? Because the pace had just gone from zero to 10. Like I was from, mm. I was living in Brighton. Um, and yes, there was a lot of, you know, driving the kids around and stuff like that, but it felt, it felt more hu- human, pay- more of a human rhythm. Mm-hmm. Washington DC did not feel like a human rhythm. Mm-hmm. It felt like these children were being groomed for Harvard through soccer scholarships from age six. And I remember my kids coming home and saying, mom, have you started our, our, our university fund? Because so-and-so's parents have started their university funds and they're expecting them to go to Harvard. Do you know where you want me to go yet? And I thought, Huh? University? I don't even know what day of the week it is, you know. Like, but there's major sort of um driven ambition, linear, linear thinking. And of course, they're, you know, these are parents that are doing the best they can, but I looking outside myself for what the right thing to do and the right way to parent was, was trying to keep up with it all. Yeah. And so when Brazil came along as a, as, as an op and, and actually at that, there was a, mo- there was a breakdown in there. There was a breakdown where I basically almost ran away from home. Like moms aren't supposed to run away from home, but this one tried <laughs> and, um, and sometimes was, they do. <laughs> sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. And it was, um, you know, it was that moment in time. I think when I, I realized like, hello, what does it take for the penny to drop, right? Something isn't right here. And so Brazil was this opportunity to just disconnect, be in this new place and time. And I didn't know, like I imagined, you know, diplomatic life and all that jazz. It's quite a privileged existence, but I didn't imagine the type of transition, the type of transformation that I was about to experience. And we, um, I said, this is fine, honey, we can go because we just bought a house and, um, we were just settling. But I said, the condition is, is that I have help in the house because this is going to be my opportunity to heal. And this Mm -hmm. is going to be my opportunity to finally grow the business because what I was doing was just barely, you know, I dropped the kids off, I'd clean the kitchen and then I'd run upstairs and type a few emails. And then I'd, you know, run down, grab a sandwich for lunch, and then run upstairs, finish off a few things. And then I'd head back to school, pick the kid up, bring the kid back, help the kid with homework. And then after the whole dinner spiel and the kid was put in bed, I'd try to work a little bit more. And it was just mm-hmm. these jam-packed days. Again, left brain, left brain, left brain, no space yeah. for the right to activate and for me to feel like what was right. And so it, Brazil for me was just this huge gift and exhale where I was all of a sudden able to do that. Mm -hmm. And then my sacred pause took me even deeper into that. Um, So does that answer your question going a little bit back? Yeah. And so, and so now you're, was, was that your inspiration coming out of the sacred pause to, to do the, the coaching and the spiritual work? Well, the, so the business before, um, I, before COVID came along was ironically, and of course we teach what we need to learn. I was supporting stressed and overwhelmed moms. I had gotten my coaching certification. <laughs> okay. That's, that's ironic. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. Because of course I, I was learning all these, I had done a mindfulness-based stress reduction course. You know, I was learning all of these tools and techniques to support me along the way. And I'd done Mm -hmm. my coaching certification. Okay. And so I was working with women who were just a little bit behind me on my journey. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then there was a point in time in Brazil when that wasn't resonating anymore, but I kept at it. I kept at it because I'd been at it for so long. And because my, my rational mind said, keep on going, you've built something, you keep on going. And it was also saying these women need you. I'd built up mm-hmm. quite a big community. I had my clients, but it was, there was a, there was a niggle. Mm. Is it a niggle? Is it, is that, is that the right word? discomfort, a, a misalignment. There, yeah, there was something in there. There was a, something not quite right, a discomfort, a misalignment. And, um, and I ignored it and I ignored it and I ignored it until the sacred pause just said, it's time to stop. It's time to shut down. And, and so I was very conscious about the way I did that. 
And then when I stepped out of the sacred pause, the message was clear. Other women need sacred pause. Mm. And so I designed um, a program called the sacred pause experience, which includes the rituals that I was using during my own sacred pause. And I came to see, it's just so funny how things unfold in magical ways when you're, when you surrender to it all. I came to see that the rituals that I were, was using were aligned with the moon. Oh, so how perfect is it? Yeah, it's so perfect. And so, so this program ended up sharing, you know, rituals that were aligned with a particular part of the moon cycle that women could step into and personalize and make their own. And they could simplify it, you know, if they were living the DC life, or they could, you know, really elaborate it if they happened to get, I don't know, a Saturday off. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so I was trying to invite them. And it was a time when women, I feel, were really feeling a call to go inwards. So that so it was well received. Mm-hmm. And that, and then following that, I created um a program called Metamorphosis, which again was all about um it was based on my experience. It was the, the, it was a process of really the shadow work, mm-hmm. you know, that I had went through in my sacred pause for healing. Um, it was kind of, um, I, yeah, it was sort of step-by-step. Step. It was a curriculum that I drew from based again on my own journey of healing and I shared it. And again, it was really well-received and had some incredible results. So I was drawing from a three month period that had completely transformed me and trying to package that in a way that was accessible to, to women. And so that was my new, and I knew it was right because the niggle was gone. Mm. I knew it was right because it felt so aligned and so good. And I think that is, we know we're on the right path when there's joy yes, and when there's inner peace. It doesn't mean we have to be like inner peace Zen all the time, but just like the, the self doubt, that volume is a little bit lower. Mm -hmm. Or there's another voice able to counter that voice and say, yeah, but when you check in, yeah, but this is right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And, you know, thank you for the work you're doing. I mean, we all we all need the sacred pause to be able to know and to be able to have the um the resources to know what to do with ourselves in that to to really honor it and make it sacred and give it a give it a container mhm and and like i said you know it's it's not something that everybody is in a privileged position to just allow the breadcrumbs to sort of unfold in front of you and the rituals to sort of intuitively come mm-hmm. a lot of the time and i know this now because i'm back in the north without a housekeeper <laughs> a lot of the time it's really helpful to have that structure handed to you yeah and then you just go with it yeah carve out some space and shut shut off the phone and and do it exactly yeah yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling that these days. Like, uh, there is, I'm, my, my work is aligned, so I'm feeling really good about it, and it's getting, it's getting busier, and so it's, um, those sacred pauses are really precious when, when they come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Honor, honor them when they come because it will fuel your capacity to serve in, in the beautiful mm. way that you do. Thank you for that. Absolutely. I want to uh, shift a little bit and talk about some of the things you do. Um, in addition to your, your, the, your leadership and your business mentoring and your coaching, um, I know you also do, um, you do sacred circles. Yes. I incorporate (laughs) sacred circles into many of my programs. Okay. And um, 
well, we, we could do another podcast on the astrology junkie. <laughs> I love the astrology piece. <laughs> but what I really want to ask about is the um, beyond quantum healing hypnosis. Tell me what that is. Oh, yeah. So that that's one of the breadcrumbs on the sacred pause journey. And um, basically what happened was I, like I said, like I said earlier, I decided that I needed to go into my shadows. Like there were certain things that had been unresolved. And one of those things is that, so when my dad left, when I was six, I had a completely blank memory mm. from the ages of six to 12 in my home life. I have recollections of school, but I don't have any recollections of home life, which is which is interesting. And I wanted, I wanted recollections of home life. I wanted to capture that. And I knew that that was part of my healing. And so the, and I had been meaning to for years, go to a hypnotist mm -hmm. and it, you know, I'm not a huge Facebook fan, but Facebook came in handy because somehow on one of my feeds somewhere along the way, um, I saw a, um, a video, a Facebook video of a woman who was, um, she was leading a meditation with binaural beats and I, I just felt called to it. And so I followed it and then, um, and I went really, really deep and it was, it, it felt like there, there was a shift, an energetic shift that happened through that. And then I learned that she was actually a hypnotherapist. She was, she did a, she did, she practiced hypnosis. And I thought, oh, well, this is my woman. You know, this is my woman. And so I reached out to her. Um, her date, her name is De Deanna Lankin. And we can put her, put her in the show notes. And I didn't know that the kind of hypnosis she was doing was um, past life regression beyond quantum healing hypnosis. I didn't know that. Uh -huh. But at this point, I was already following my gut feelings. And, um, and so I went for it. And I had the most incredible experience where, so I went, you know, I quite easily went into the state of hypnosis, which is mm -hmm. a, a theta state, she took me there. And then there were all these different, it's, it's like, um, I don't know, have you ever been hypnotized? I have. Yeah. Did you experience it like a dream? Like going from one vision to another, so one scene to another scene. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah. So it was like that, except in the beginning, I set my intention. So and so my primary intention was, of course, to heal and to recover those memories. But then a whole bunch of other um, things happened along the way, and one was there was this one image of me. Um, standing over what was like a, a stone. Um, if you think of the images of Machu Picchu, so these huge stone blocks, but there was a stone kind of platform and there was a woman on it and I was standing over all in white and there was like this light around us that I was, um, I don't know, facilitating or holding or doing something with. And Deanna said, okay, so you are doing some priestess healing here in this space. I'm like, huh? And she's like, yeah, that's what you're doing. And then there was another one where I was in the space and I said, Deanna, I don't, I'm not sure what's happening, but there's this, something's happening to my spine. And is it a snake? And she's like, just keep breathing. Your Kundalini's rising. I'm like, what? <laughs> so it's like, I was just, all these things were here. I was just going for a basic hypnosis session. And then all of a sudden I walked out and she said, all right, well, clearly you've been a priestess in the past and your Kundalini's risen and you're a healer. And I'm like, huh, what? Oh, like, wow. And you need to train in this because I have never had anybody who's had this kind of a powerful session and a whole bunch of other stuff happened too. But, um, and so I did, and she mentored me and now I offer beyond quantum healing sessions. And some of the, the, the um, experiences that these women have had, just, they continue to blow me away. You know, mm -hmm. like for instance, um, women who have gone back into forms of deities, you know, they've experienced themselves as deities, mm -hmm. like Isis, for instance, or gone to Atlanta, for mm -hmm. instance, or like gone to other planets or seen the world from the, from the perspective of a tree, like these really fascinating, totally out, like blow your mind experiences. One of them um, described it as 
it's like being taking an hallucinogenic trip, but without drugs. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's pretty cool. Yep. I've had those experiences. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. that's what beyond quantum healing is. And I think it's called beyond quantum healing because it just, it goes, it's, it's beyond the energy that we understand, you know, and it, it, it goes, it's beyond, it takes us beyond time, a time and space continuum that we understand even mm-hmm. beyond past human lives. I think that's why they use the word beyond because it takes them beyond past human lives into these mm-hmm. energetic forms, quantic forms. So it's, um, yeah, that's, uh, that, that is one of the, one of the offerings that I have that I, I found was so incredibly transformative for me, but also, you know, I've witnessed in other women, the healing that happens for them in terms of the traumas they've experienced in this life, as well as Mm -hmm. the traumas that they've experienced, I believe in past lives. Yeah. That's beautiful because in addition to the healing, you know, at least in your case, being able to tap into these other aspects of their, their soul's experience through time and space can completely um, awaken, open shift, you know, their current reality into for in, in your case, you know, owning that identity as a priestess and a witch and, and the energetic and the Kundalini and all of that, just like that was not something, wasn't something your left brain was prepared for, but, you know, to be able to embrace that and own that is, um, is huge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and to be fully honest, like it took me, it took me quite a while and, and further affirmations mm-hmm. to confirm that in fact, what I'd witnessed in that internal, I call them soul journeys because mm-hmm. I feel like soul journey beyond quantum healing feels quite nebulous, like a bit mysterious, mm-hmm. but soul journeys is kind of resonated with me. Your soul is taking you on a trip. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the, uh, like talking of astrology, um, my astrologist, I have a Brazilian astrologist. In fact, I just spoke with her yesterday and she said to me, when she did, um, she does these readings that are like, um, soul mission readings. So Mm -hmm. she'll look at your, your natal chart and she'll assess what your soul purpose is and what you're, you know, what you're here to learn. And she said, you have been a priestess and a witch in many, 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 many lives. She says, and you're here to bring the feminine traditions back to the planet. You're here Mm. to support the the rise of the of the divine feminine. And I was like, what? And so totally and completely in line with what I had seen in my in my own yeah. soul journey. Right. Yeah. But um but it sometimes it takes a few people to kind of <laughs> tell you the same thing to reaffirm it. It does. It does. Just because we can we can be sovereign and stand in our own authority doesn't mean you know that that affirmation and that mirror is not useful. It's very useful and very helpful, especially when we're stepping into new pieces of our identity. And that's why places like your woman's sanctuary is so important. Oh, thank you. Because we can talk about it and we can feel safe talking about it. And, um, you know, if I had told people during our dinner conversations, which were usually lined with economists, um, you know, (laughs) guess what, guess what I just experienced. Yeah. If you like, okay, closest uh, insane asylum. You know, exactly. And and which is where, which is where women have gone many times when they've had, you know, when when they were hysterical. Exactly. Exactly. When they've leaned too much, when they've been too emotional or leaned too much into their, their intuition. Right. So, so there, I, I feel compassion towards myself, but towards other women who keep these experiences close and so grateful for spaces like this, where things can be spoken safely. Absolutely. That that's that's definitely one of my soul missions is that um is is to is to provide that safe space and also to um to help women know that all their experiences are valid and all the identities they choose to step into are are I hate to use the word valid, but they're they're true and they're real and and welcomed and needed. 
needed in the world. Absolutely. Tell me, uh, before we go, tell me a little bit more about, you know, how all of this work weaves into the way you serve women. You do the soul journeys, you do the coaching. What else have we not discussed? It's, well, I'm doing something new now, actually, which is interesting, Ooh. but it's all like the the common thread here that I'm, that I'm identifying is what we've been talking about the whole time, which is coming into connection with that wise inner voice. And so we can do that through the soul journeys, which is mm -hmm. the, you know, which is, will bring your unconscious straight to the fore and have her lead the way. Um, and tell you what you need to know, because you set intention in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And we bring we call in all the energies, you know, and our ancestors and all our guides and everything. It's it's a supportive space where you're kind of setting the path through the intentions, but then letting the letting your subconscious take it away. So that's a really deep and profound way. And sometimes I mix that into certain programs that I have so that we have them the 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 left brain you know the cognitive piece and the journaling the idea really is to bring mind and heart together and to detox the toxic masculinity the overthinking um the self doubt the perfectionism mm -hmm. all of these um things that have kept us small for so long and you know they're meant they they're really meant in a 3D sort of existence to keep us safe but we're we're no longer being burned at the stake and so it's 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 safe to i think express ourselves more fully being sourced from that place within so that so all the work that i do does that and and now the what i'm starting to create now is um a course on using one's intuition in one's business because th this is this is something that i have realized has made the biggest difference for me and i never really put words to it mm -hmm. but i am witnessing women around me yourself included and um in in you know in the communities that you and i belong to together just blossoming as they start to really honor spiritual guidance that comes from within. And this doesn't mean that, you know, you're not going to be guided to the right mentor or the right coach or the right community. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean that you have to do everything, which is another one of those internalized mm. patriarch patriarchal messages, but it does, it does mean that um, the expert out there doesn't, have the answers. Like the good coach, the good mentor will bring, will ask you. And I got so frustrated by so many of them that said, you have the answers. You have to sit. I can't tell you what to do. What do you mean? I'm paying you to tell me what to do, <laughs> but they're not. Exactly. Or I'm, I want, you know, they're, they're, that was exactly my conversation with Jackie. It, it was that, you know, it, it, uh, the good, the good teachers will give you the tools and lead you back to yourself. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And so that's the the um, intuition in business, intuition and business work that I'm now doing is exactly inviting women to do that and really honing in on playing with, experimenting with, exploring, trying to lighten it up a little bit so that we can because it's 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 through play and exploration and dance that that our intuition comes to life. It's not going to be through us like, "Hey, you, come out and tell me what to do. Like, that's not how it works. Right. So um, imagine if we were in a world where we could just kind of, you know, take decisions by closing our eyes and putting our hands on our heart. Or I used to laugh and say, oh, got to make a business decision. I'm just going to head out to my tree circle in the garden. Right. Like, Perfect. Perfect. That's what I do. <laughs> I don't know if that answered your question. Absolutely. I, I love that. And um you know, that, that excites me because I think the more, the more intuition comes online and the more people can honor it and, and, and help others find it and honor it, you know, the, the, the more we restore this world to balance. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And to support women who are starting businesses that are making positive change to do that. Yeah. That's, you know, that's my mission. That's huge. That's huge. And I, I so applaud your work and, and send it all sorts of good, loving energy and, and, um, encouragement because that's, it's so needed. It's so needed. Well, this has been just an extraordinary conversation, Alex. Um, I know that I'm ready to hire you and I'm sure there are some other women who who would love to to find out more about you and talk with you if if they want to do that how can they reach you Thank you for saying Arlia and for inviting me to do that I, I would like to say that we're doing this together <laughs> here Absolutely. on this podcast and when we you are. were on my podcast and in our communities and and I just love our our blossoming friendship um so where can people find me? I think uh, a good starting point might be Instagram. So Alex okay. underscore in essence is the, what are they called? Handle, I guess. I guess it's the, my handle. And if you're interested in learning more about cyclical living, um, I have a free guide to cyclical living. It's for it's for beginners, but I always like to say it includes the most gorgeous graphic that I had professionally pulled <laughs> together in case somebody wants to just grab the graphic and, um, you know, print that out. It's really pretty and a beautiful visual. So, so they can find that at alexandrahughes.com slash the cycle. Okay. And yeah, you can just find me at alexandrahughes.com. Also, and before we age, go, let's think. Instagram yeah, is a good place to chat. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the podcast, which is uh, the Witch Hunt Podcast. Tell us about it and where people can find it. Oh, that's my baby. Yeah. Um, so, ah, and I don't even know the link off by heart. So maybe alexandrahughes.com slash podcast slash the dash witch hunt dash podcast, maybe. <laughs> I'll, I'll listen, I'll send it to you. It, it'll be in the show notes. <laughs> You're not required to know your links off the top of your head for sure. <laughs> But, no, but it'll, I'll, I'll, I'll link it in the, in the show notes, but, yeah. um, so, but the, give us, give us a brief, a brief, a brief rundown a brief, of what that does. A brief rundown on the, so the, the podcast was a total and complete divine download. The podcast is a hilarious story because I spoke to this woman, Asha Frost about a year ago today or ish, and, um, she's in origin and I was asking her about Facebook ads and left brain things. She's an indigenous medicine woman, super okay. wise. And um, she said, okay, I know you want to talk about the Facebook ads, but I have something coming, Alex. And it's, you know, you need to hold priestesses in circle. I'm like, okay, great. So back to the Facebook ads. I don't know how to do that. I don't know. You know, okay, well that, you know, I didn't know what to do with that information. And we were about to embark on our international move from Brazil to Toronto. And, but, and, and I wanted to get the Facebook ads up so that I could just, you know, set up a funnel that I don't need to think about. That was, yeah. the, that was the, the thinking. And then in between Brazil and Toronto, we went to see my husband's family outside Barcelona. And I remember that moment when I was sitting on the Mediterranean at the beach, things come to me at the beach. And the message was so crystal clear, Arlia. It was, you are going to do a podcast and it's going to be called Witch Hunt. Wow. That was it. And I'm like, where's that voice coming from? <laughs> like, what's going on You're here? like, okay, I guess I'm doing that. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. And I texted Asha and I'm like, Asha, now I know what you were, you know, what your, the message coming to you was, I'm going to start a podcast. And I'm so excited earlier because I just interviewed Asha for the podcast. Oh, beautiful. So it's such a beautiful <laughs> cyclical story, right? Uh -huh. But the podcast, Witch Hunt, um, and it, it's, it's a bit, it's a striking name and I was a little bit worried about it, but I haven't had any negative feedback. It's about reclaiming the word witch and it's about reclaiming the witch hunt as well. So it's about bringing witches um, together on this platform and illuminating and elevating who they are and what they do and what their stories are and the magic that they bring to the world. And again, very much like the women's sanctuary, it's about creating a safe space and putting mm -hmm. words to these nebulous, difficult to describe, not ever before described experiences, experiences that have been eradicated. And or reclaiming that word, which for those who 
for whom it is a sacred calling. And I think that's just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been an incredible experience. It just goes to show. And again, like this is why the business and intuition thing is really calling to me. It just goes to show what happens when you do follow your intuition, when you really heed to these calls. Magic. Magic. Yeah. It's been so easy and so fun. And I know, you know, because we had an amazing conversation for the podcast that's going to come up. Yeah. I, I, I was so honored to be on it. It was so exciting. Alex, this has been such a wonderful, wonderful hour. <laughs> it's time for us to wrap it up, and let you get back to your life. And um, thank you so much for being here. This has been wonderful. And we will have all these good resources in the show notes for people who want to reach out and find you and listen to the podcast. Arlia, it's been such a pleasure. So much fun always talking to you. We could talk for days. We could. We could. We just might have to. <laughs> well, um, thank you. Uh, so much everyone for being here Um, join us next time to hear more women sharing their stories if you enjoy these podcasts please consider leaving a review on your favorite podcast provider it helps people find us and it helps people like alex get found and more women find her so thank you uh, again to alex for being here this is arlia hoffman and this has been the women's sanctuary we'll see you next time